We finally wrap up our Pacific Division rival reports with a look at the Seattle Kraken. Erica Ayala from Locked On Kraken joins us to talk about the Kings' newest rival and how they're going to look for this upcoming season. All that and more coming up on this edition of Locked On LA Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years, the past 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network, where I'm a co-host, sidekick, reporter, and NHL analyst. Also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL recap show that puts out content or has been putting out content for the past 16 years. And of course, a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. We have been joined by all of the Locked On hosts for each of the LA Kings Pacific Division opponents, except for one. And we are going to uh, we're going to get that final one on right now as we get a chance to talk with the host of Locked On Kraken, that is Erica Ayala. And Erica, great to finally get you on. I'm I'm sorry, you're the last one. There was <laughs> the, we're saving the best for last, right? That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Happy to be here with you, Eddie. Thank you. Uh, great to get you on, and uh, obviously get more information about the newest team uh, in the Pacific Division. Uh, I know the first season uh, of Kraken hockey wasn't exactly the way that uh, the fans hoped it would go. Uh, but still, you're in the NHL, you've got a team, and now you're nowhere to go but up uh, for the Seattle Kraken, right? Yes, that's exactly right. We had Linda Cohn on, and we were talking about uh, just her 30 years at ESPN, first and foremost. And that's exactly what she said. She's like, that's the good news, Kraken fans. There's nowhere to go but up. Uh, she also had some choice words for Groovy, being a former goaltender herself. So, uh, yes, that's the motto we're taking. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so I've asked this question of all the other hosts from the locked on Pacific division teams. And it is, I'm, I'm very curious to get your answer because I, I really don't know what it is. And I don't know if there is an answer to this question, but uh, who is the Kraken's rival? Do they, have they, have they developed a, a dislike for a certain team at this point? Could it be a team? I don't know from Los Angeles. I know that <laughs> Seattle and LA kind of have a thing, a little bit going on there. It, it, have, have you figured out who you don't like yet? Well, I don't think we have a, a like a solid rival just yet. And um, if if my show is any indication, I have nothing but love for the LA Kings. I like especially what their front office doing is doing. Excuse me, we've had Blake Bolden on Locked on Kraken before, so I, I I'm not gonna say the Kings. That's for sure. I think there are a few teams. Vancouver, we just play a lot. We're gonna play them also again in the preseason our second ever we play calgary in the preseason but i wouldn't say there's really a rivalry budding there yet vancouver has taken that series uh san jose is a team where we actually have some we have some luck against them and where it's one of few teams where we can say that we have the upper hand as far as the head-to-head so maybe that will be something in the future but i think the the two franchises are in very different places i think especially if we're looking at the pacific division the the Vegas Golden Knights 
there's so many reasons why we end up in conversation with Vegas. So I think if, if there's one team that Seattle fans are a little sour on, it's probably Vegas because we're tired of the comparisons. And then for a little while, I think Jersey was a little upset with us. One of their young guys got hurt when he played us and it's like, Hey, hit the weight room. I don't know what to tell you, but other than that, I, I don't think we have a rivalry. <laughs> Yeah, Vegas is certainly a popular uh, selection amongst a lot of uh, fans, I think, around the Pacific Division. And I know you're tired of the comparison, but I might bring that up again a little bit later. But, uh, well, actually, I'll bring it up right now. Uh, when you when you look at Vegas and the success they had in their first year, I think it was, it was understandable that Kraken fans would think, hey, you know, expansion draft, let's do what they did and uh, – not saying we're going to go to the Stanley Cup final in our first year, but we could at least maybe be competitive for a playoff spot. Obviously, that didn't happen. Do you think there was a, you know, um, a disappointment because that that kind of expectation wasn't met the way it happened in Vegas? I don't think so. And that's because our general manager, Ron Francis, or as I will refer to him from uh, now on, Ronnie, uh, but Ronnie Francis made it very clear. Uh, they're not going to have the Seattle Kraken, that being, is not going to have the same path as the Vegas Golden Knights. And a lot of that had to do with that GMs changed their strategy going into an expansion draft. And again, Ronnie Francis talked about that a lot. We've talked about that a lot on Locked on Kraken. We've also seen things in the CBA change. We, uh, so of course, COVID was a, a super thing that you had to focus on. So I think there are a lot of reasons why, although the narrative is there and we understand why we're the, the two youngest teams in, you know, a hundred plus hockey league, men's hockey league. So we get why that's the case. But again, being so close to Seattle news, I knew that the Kraken was not, there weren't, you know, putting any weight or any merit into that conversation for really good reason. And Ronnie was right. Uh, we didn't have the same type of expansion draft or even free agency in a lot of ways because of what Vegas was able to do when they were the expansion team. Now of the 30 players that were selected in the expansion draft, uh, 15 of them are no longer on the roster in, in some ways. And I know we're going to talk about the draft picks you've acquired in the last couple of years, which a lot of people are excited about, but in some ways, does it almost feel like, they're kind of starting over that this is in some weird way, almost like year one for the Kraken. Yeah. It's like that uh, fictitious book in sex in the city, right? Starting over all over again or something like that. But yeah, it kind of does feel that way. And we've had this feeling we're a young team, but we've had it a few times already. Uh, the trade deadline of course was one of them. Um, and now even going into free agency. And so I'm okay with that. I have been saying over at locked on Kraken though, that I think, you know, we're at about a B plus in what I think we did in the off season versus what I would have liked us to do or think what we could have done. But I think that's because again, Ronnie Francis wants to play the long game. We talk a lot about unlocked on Kraken that we're somewhere in a three to five year range where the Seattle Kraken front office is going to be, is going to want to be very competitive. And I do think the draft changed a little bit of our strategy in free agency and in the off season. Well, speaking of free agency and, and the offseason, I know that the Kraken were able to make a couple of moves that I'm sure that fans are excited about. They get a Stanley Cup winner and Andre Barakovsky uh, signing him. And then they also made a trade with Columbus. 
uh, to get to one of their top players, Oliver Bjorkstrand, as well. So it's not just about the draft for Seattle, although there's excitement around that, but uh, making some nice additions uh, this offseason as well. Yes, indeed. We definitely focused on forwards uh, with, as you mentioned, Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand. I think what you also see is that we're focusing on players that have played around and within not just uh, Stanley Cup winning franchises, but with high elite level forwards and leaders in the NHL. And that's what's been lacking um, in one season for the Seattle Kraken. I call us kind of like teenagers. You, you know, as a teenager, you have the capacity to comprehend and understand and, and you hear what people are telling you to do, but your, your hormones don't always let you do what you know you're supposed to do. And that kind of felt like how Seattle is playing hockey. They know what to do. There's enough players that should be able to guide the leadership, but, but as a unit, as a collective, the maturity, the, com the comfort wasn't there yet. And so I think bringing in some of these guys, I think you can see from their pedigree also, Justin Schultz, um, Martin Jones, again, some folks that have been around the league for a while. My only concern is that some of these contracts seem to be bridge contracts. And I think that goes, again, to the back and forth that Ronnie Francis and his staff are having to do because of how things have changed in the NHL since the last expansion team entered the league. We're going to have more with Locked On Kraken host Erica Ayala in just a second. But real quick, uh, if you would like to place a wager on the LA Kings or the Seattle Kraken and how they're going to do this upcoming season, go to betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on, their, on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews of news uh, for, on every league, including Major League Baseball, combat sports, esports, even golf. Head to Bet Online and uh, use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. We continue with Locked on Kraken host Erica Ayala. And I mentioned it a moment ago, but there's a lot of excitement. Uh, and there always is around young prospects and players because of the unknown and, and the, you know, the, the hope that the, these guys are going to turn into people that you can build a franchise around. And there's two of them in particular for the Seattle Kraken. One you got a glimpse of last year, the other one, not yet, but uh, soon, uh, but let's talk, talk first about your uh, first round pick uh, from a year ago. And that was Matty Berniers out of Michigan um, after concluding his uh, season with the Wolverines got to join the Kraken for 10 games and had nine points in 10 games. That's pretty, pretty nice start for him. Uh, and certainly I think made a, a very nice impression uh, on a brief sample size uh, with the Kraken. Uh, just talk a little bit about Matty Berniers and, and the hope around this guy that you can build your franchise around. Yes, to use an old school term in the most platonic way, I've been pretty sweet on Matty Veneers for a while. Uh, we followed the draft, or I said we followed his kind of where he was um, ahead of his draft, and it really looked like he was going to come to Seattle, and he did. Then I got to cover him personally myself in Beijing, China, with, uh, with the Olympic national team, the U.S. national team, and then also at the Frozen Four while he was with Michigan. And at every turn, he is, although he's young, he is wise and intelligent beyond his years. And that makes for a really great hockey IQ. He knows that one of the things that's going to be really important as he continues his NHL career is to get stronger, get bigger, get stronger. But the 
again, just the hockey mind is there. I think he's very well respected by his teammates and he can grind. Uh, you know, he's a, a centerman that you like in that he's not afraid to, to mix it up, but can also bring some finesse on the offensive side. So the upside pretty big with, with Maddie Beneers. Um, and then of course this season to jump ahead, uh, cause uh, I know we're obviously going to talk about this draft, uh, but I want to get in about Shane, Wright. So that's what I was talking about in the first segment when we talked about Maybe what we got in the draft wasn't necessarily what we expected going into the draft. I really didn't even look too much into Shane, Wright. Everyone uh, was saying he was going top two. Of course, we didn't have a top two pick this time around. We picked at four. So really wasn't expecting to get Shane, Wright. I was hoping, and I still think Seattle needs to do a little bit more to bolster our roster on the defensive side. So I was thinking we were going with one of the Slovakian defenders that didn't happen. They end up going one, two, um, and we get Shane Wright. And so when you had some free agents that play center, of course, Kadri being one of them, uh, who now is going to be in the Pacific division, even if the Seattle Kraken were serious about some of those centers, some of those more veteran centers that we talked about, or kind of the, the caliber and pedigree that I talked about in the first segment, knowing that, and again, uh, Ronnie Francis talked about this a lot in Seattle Kraken media, knowing that in a few years, he's going to have to find money <laughs> for who he hopes will be um, kind of franchise changing players in Maddie Beniers and Shane Wright, who both play center. Yeah, that's going to change not only how you look at the center position for the next several years, but also what kind of contracts you want to get into knowing that Seattle, we have a still a decent amount of draft picks that we can utilize. We have more prospects now, obviously than we did last year, and we still have some cap room, some salary cap space. So I think that's where that B plus a little more conservative edge has come from. But Eddie, I'm going to ask you this question because I say this a lot on locked on Kraken, and I don't know if it's just me blowing smoke, but I keep saying that if Seattle wants to be competitive in the Pacific division, we need to start doing that now because teams like the Kings have had high draft picks for the last several years because the Pacific division hasn't been so good. So now I'm, I'm looking at the Kings. I mean, Quinton Byfield is just one name that stands out to me as some young guys that we need to watch out for in the Pacific division. You know, how has building through the draft worked out for the Kings? I think it's uh, a question that's still to be answered because uh, ultimately uh, it's good that the Kings have gotten back into relevance. It's good that the Kings have gotten back into the playoffs this past year, uh, but there are higher expectations for the Kings. They're, they're a team that's spending to the cap. Now they went out and got one of the bigger free agents in Kevin Fiala and some of the young guys. Now um, they've gotten a, a taste like Quentin Byfield. Um, but I think now it's expected to that we want to see more production. There are some right. good veteran players in front of some of these younger guys. Uh, Arthur Kaliev is another winger that a lot of people are excited about. Um, but it's 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 the plan is it has been in place and things seem to be following the plan. Maybe maybe the Kings were a little bit ahead of schedule last year. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't think they were a playoff team uh, last year and they got in and, and challenged Edmonton in the first round. So I think everything is, is on course, but, you know, as I mentioned with you, it's okay to be excited about draft picks and what they can bring, but eventually they have to actually show it on the ice. It's not just right. potential. It's not just what they 
can do soon. It's what they, they need to do now. So I think there's a lot of Kings fans that want to see a fairly significant jump in Quinton Byfield's game for this mm-hmm. coming season. And then there's another young guy named Brant Clark, who is a very high draft pick defenseman. You talked about defense for the Kraken. He's a really good young offensive defenseman. And there's talk he could make the team this year, mm-hmm. uh, which would be uh, very exciting. Um, but it's it's interesting. He kind of has in a in a very broad sense, uh, maybe a connection with Shane Wright. And I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> so Brant Clark got snubbed for Team Canada at the World Juniors. He didn't get an invite originally uh, when they had the COVID, when it was originally for COVID. And then when they rescheduled it, they did invite him, but they ended up cutting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't make the final squad. And a lot of people uh, are scratching their heads over what that situation. So he might have a bit of a chip on his shoulder coming into this season to prove some people wrong Shane Wright obviously slid in the draft mm-hmm. he did it was pretty clear right when we saw the shots of him at the draft you know he said all the right things afterwards but then there was that controversy if he did the death stare to the Canadians table and all that yep. I'm wondering <laughs> if you think he's going to be coming in this season for the Kraken with a uh, chip on his shoulder and something to prove Oh, absolutely. So I think you're absolutely right. I'll start with um, kind of what we're hearing officially, right? And it was Ronnie Francis. Love this about Ron, that he was the first one to say, come on, you know, he's he was asked to look at the camera. He's not staring at anyone. He's looking at the camera. And then Shane followed up with that. But, and we've talked about this on Locked on Crack in a bunch, uh, Shane Wright was one of the players featured in the NHL kind of docu, not a docu-series, but it's a a, a behind-the-scenes of this 2022 draft. And so if you watch that, you see after the first three picks that Shane Wright had some comments. Oh, can't wait to see see them on the schedule, eh? So he's already, like, in real time, putting that on his list. And the one that he said that hurts was actually Arizona. Now Arizona's not looking to be the most competitive team, but I think to me that just speaks to how much he really wanted to go in the top three, how much he expected to go in the top three. So yes, I do think that there is a little bit more in that stare than what is officially being said. And we also talked about on Lockdown Kraken. I'm okay with that. You know, a lot of people saying, oh, this means he's got a bad attitude. He's late for this. He's, you know, he's eight. What is he? 18, 19 years old. He's a teenager just like as i say at least in spirit the rest of the seattle kraken team there's learning there's growing and so from that perspective even if there are some problems with shane wright's attitude there are enough players now on the seattle kraken that know what nhl business looks like they know what winning feels like and they're not gonna let some 18 year old some 26 year old or some 32 year old come in and ruin the vibe because they want to win and i'm really hoping that that manifests on the ice for the Seattle Kraken team. I think we were a, a polite blue collar, you know, take them home to your family type of team last year. I want us to be a little more gritty and edgy. And if that is Shane Wright, then I hope we get that on the ice. Well, there are plenty of stories of uh, professional athletes out there who were snubbed in some way. I mean, Tom Brady to this day, I yeah. think still holds that as a, a, yeah. you know, a, a chip that he uses to motivate himself, mm-hmm. right? Because he Michael was, was Jordan. not. 
yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it, i think that's absolutely fine I, I think it's great that shane wright should uh hold on to that and use that for motivation uh, so, you know, uh, we talk about being Pacific Division rivals. Maybe that's not the right word just yet, but I, I definitely <laughs> want to ask you, like I've asked all the other uh, locked on hosts from the Pacific Division, uh, what do you think about the division this year? Where do you think the, the Kraken finish? I know we did a poll of locked on hosts as to where we thought the teams would finish and the Kraken were not in last place. Uh, that, <laughs> like we said, nowhere to go but up, right? But uh, your thoughts on, on where does Seattle finish this year? And just uh, what do you think about the Pacific? Do you think we can get more than three teams in the Western Conference playoffs this year? Mm, that's interesting. I think the, the division, yes. Uh, if we don't see it this year, I think it's coming soon. Again, I talk about it on the show a lot. Uh, in theory, on paper, right? The Pacific division should be getting stronger. I think also we're seeing teams have shakeups with coaching and personnel. Um, so I am expecting the division to get more competitive. Now, what that means for Seattle and something that I've been talking about since our first season of Locked on Kraken is we have to strike. I, I, I get why we want to be a little bit patient and play the long game. But the longer we wait to make an impact, the harder it's going to be, not just in our division, but in the league. So um, I think that for Seattle, you know, coming in not last in our poll was great. I think if you look at some of what we're seeing from experts, they're expecting and projecting our roster as it is right now to give us another four wins. That's not a playoff team. <laughs> that's barely 30 wins. Uh, if, if we're only getting four additional wins, I think a lot of that is going to depend on our goaltending. That was a, a supposed to be a bright star and a staple Drieger yet again. We're seeing as we go into this season is inconsistent. He's in and out of the roster uh, and the lineup with injuries. Uh, you know, COVID was a fluke and being on the, the COVID list, we kind of, that's a, an outlier, but the guy, you know, has, has unfortunately had a, a string of bad luck. And then you had Philip Grubauer who just mentally and maybe, uh, you know, emotionally, I don't know. He seemed checked out too often. Uh, I know we were putting him, you know, through the paces because we had Drieger that wasn't there. Joey Decord can only do so much. Uh, we can't really rely or we shouldn't be relying on him to be that second goaltender to Philip Grubauer. So I think if Gruby can settle in again, we brought in Martin Jones on one of those kind of bridge, uh, one year contracts, um, I think, though, it's really going to depend on Grubauer. If he can steal us a few games, then I think we become a more competitive. I'd love to see us 5-6 in the Pacific Division. I think that's reasonable. I also have been saying this is maybe more of a pipe dream, but I'd love to see us be at 500 at minimum when we're playing at Climate Pledge Arena. But honestly, even looking at what we have on paper and knowing what we saw from last year, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. So um, I have some high expectations. Uh, I'm okay if we don't meet all of them this season, but we have to really start getting competitive and moving up and not just being that last or second to last team in these preseason polls. And certainly not when it's all said and done come next spring. Well, in that poll, uh, the Locked On hosts had the LA Kings finishing third. That was where I had them finishing as well. I think Edmonton and Calgary are still uh, a step ahead of where the Kings are at this point. We'll see where, where it ends up. What do you think about the Kings this year? Do you think third, higher, lower? What's your expectations? I have them at third as well. And again, I, I see the Kings as one of those teams that, again, 
in theory, you should be getting better, right? And you talked about even bringing, having that young defenseman that we talked about and uh, really being able to now have it be less of a prospect and now an actual player, uh, a go-to player, uh, a reliable player, dare we say even an elite level player. And I think the LA Kings are going to be exciting for that because it, it could you know, really boost where we see the LA Kings. And again, I really do like the front office. So I'm always going to give Blake Bolden a shout out. I mean, you've got uh, uh, so much talent there that I, I can't imagine that, that, that the Kings won't break through soon. So I like the Kings at three. That's also where I had them in the poll. So I think, I know we've had some other controversial locked on NHL polls, mostly about jerseys, but uh, I think the Pacific division one was about right. Uh, I, I know that I saw a poll recently uh, that talked about the best places to see a game in the NHL and the Kraken were in the top 10. Uh, I have yet to get up to Climate Pledge Arena. My wife was born in Seattle. We, we really love the city. I've yet to get up there uh, and see a game yet, but uh, everything I've heard has been very positive. So, so looking forward to maybe doing that this coming season, who knows, but uh, oh, yeah. at, at the very least, right. The, the Kraken have established themselves as a great place to see a hockey game, a great environment, uh, a great facility. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful city. So uh, at least you've got that going for you. It, it, the team was, is on the rise. We think, right. Yeah, I think. And I know, um, Another thing that we off air had wanted to talk about that I think is worth mentioning right around this time is that I think it's also going to depend on coaching. We saw mm. that the Seattle Kraken, although they are um, they are staying faithful, as we say on Locks on Kraken, we're holding fast, we're staying true to Dave Haxtell. I do think that's the right move for now. I don't think that um, the coaching was the greatest last year, but I don't think that it, warrants such an upheaval so early in the franchise. That being said, if you look at some of the moves that my guy Ronnie Francis made, it has been uh, a new goaltending coach because, again, Philip Grubauer looked hella uncomfortable. Everyone knew goaltending was a problem, and so that's the change that we opted to make. But then also surrounding the coaching staff with other technical staff. That's something that Francis said he wanted to do. It was a focus. It was uh, expand or excuse me, uh, draft free agency, and right there with free agency was building up a technical staff to then get the free agents that you want. And that's what we've done. So I'm having high expectations for Dave Haxel and the rest of the technical staff for the Seattle Kraken. And if we still don't get those five, four or five wins that we're expected to get, and then really more, that's when I think some heads might roll. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, there was another preseason poll I saw about coaches on the hot seat going into the season, and Dave Haxtell's name was on there. Now, granted, you know, you're you want content, you're putting things on there. John Tortorella was on there. He hasn't even coached a game yet for Philadelphia. So it is, you know, the lists are the lists. But you know, this is a crossover uh podcast between between you and I. Is there anything that you wanted to ask me about the LA Kings uh, before we close things out on my end? Yeah, I think, you know, the only thing I wanted to hit on again, and more is because we're really aspiring to be kind of like a Kings organization at this point is we've talked about the Kings in these, you know, preseason polls. We've talked about where we think they'll fall in the Pacific Division, but I'd love to hear from you, Eddie, as the expert, knowing what you saw getting to the postseason last year, going up against an Edmonton team in the Pacific Division. What for you 
is going to be what takes the Seattle or the Seattle Kings, what the, the <laughs> LA Kings, excuse me, uh, to the next level. What is it that you felt that was just short for the Kings and that you're hoping and expecting to change for them to be a perennial postseason uh, type of team? Well, I mean, the obvious, I think, answer is that the young talent uh, develops and becomes, uh, it fulfills their, you know, a potential and become solid NHL players. I think though, in the short term, like for this year, uh, I think we saw in the playoff series against Edmonton, uh, and we saw it all regular season as Kings fans, the power play is really bad. And if you're going to, if you're going to succeed in this league, if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, you have to have a, at least a good power play a bad power play is uh not, not not only is it not an asset it is something that is an anchor that can drag you down the avalanche amazing power play the oilers who eliminated us in the playoffs amazing power play uh now granted maybe the kings don't have uh nathan mckinnon or Connor mcdavid but it can still be a lot better and has to be a lot better and they've done some things to address that kevin fiala coming in uh he had 33 goals last year 17 of them were on the power play so he should definitely help out. They also hired a new assistant coach named Jim Hiller. Uh, he came from the Islanders. They had the 12th best power play. The Kings was through 27th last year. So they have done some things to address it. They knew that that's something that had to be, be better uh, sooner rather than later. And so they, they have done that. I think it is interesting if you want to kind of do a comparison with the Kraken and you talk about, you know, young players being drafted and coming in. It's, it's, a, it's something you want. You want to have as many good young players as you can have. But I think the Kings are finding out now because they're in a, an interesting situation where they want to win now that their top six forwards are, are all pretty much veteran guys. And yep. those young guys, they don't have an opportunity to come in and play a lot of minutes in significant roles. And so mm. that does kind of hurt their development as well. They have to kind of wait their turn in line, even though maybe if they were on a, a lesser team, they'd be ready to assume a bigger role. So there are some players, uh, maybe like a Gabe Velarde, who was a former first-round pick, and he's not finding a place to play at this point. And he's had now, you know, five years in the organization, and we still don't really know if he's a legitimate NHL player. And so some of these guys at some point have to be moved out and go somewhere else to figure it out because there's other younger guys waiting behind them. So it's a good yeah. problem to have. You want to have uh, guys that you're like, oh, we don't have enough spots for them. Uh, it's, it's better than the opposite, right? You're like, well, we have spots for them. We got nobody to plug them in, but, yeah. but it is an interesting, it is an interesting thing that the Kings are going through with all these young players. Now it's like, where do we find places for them to play? And it's, it's a little bit of an issue right now. Wow. Yeah. I really appreciate that insight because, uh, I feel like I'm the, you know, I, 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 I'm very uncomfortable with the hurry up and wait of it all that we are kind of feeling with Seattle. But to your point, um, it's not guaranteed. Uh, Ronnie Francis and his staff will not guarantee that neither Maddie Beneers nor Shane Wright will crack through uh, to the NHL roster this season. That being said, everything is kind of pointing that we've made space 
on this roster for them. And I think that's why when he says they'll have every opportunity to make the roster, it's about them coming with uh, everything as promised and then some. And if they're able to do that in training camp, in preseason, then there should be space on this roster for them. So when you say having young talent that you haven't seen put through the paces yet, in theory, the Seattle Kraken should have that. Uh, that makes me a little uncomfortable because we don't have the veteran presence or we won't have it. Again, those bridge contracts. Now I'm looking at a little bit different hearing your story, Eddie, but you know, we do have those bridge contracts. So even if they don't make the roster this year, uh, in the next two, three seasons, I think we really are expecting for them to play a critical role up the center for Seattle. So I appreciate uh, you kind of giving that hindsight because I think it will help us in Seattle kind of, get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable uh, and, and knowing that we're not, we're not set up to be a win now team. So if we make the playoffs, it's going to be because a lot of players overperformed from what was expected. But I do know that when Seattle makes the playoffs, they want to stay in playoff contention. um, And they want to be a team that is not clawing in by the skin of their teeth but that is expected to be in the playoffs every season so i guess we'll just have to wait and see (laughs) yeah no doubt it's i think that's the same philosophy in la as well this is not a rebuild just to get them into the playoffs on the short term it's something that has been built to sustain Uh, and i know todd mcclellan the king's head coach has said we're not happy to just get in the playoffs we want to be a team that's in the playoffs every year and competing every year uh, for a Stanley Cup. At least that's that's the goal of most teams. But yes, that's that's kind of the long-term goal, I think. Hopefully in LA and in, in Seattle as well. Erica, it was great to uh, get a chance to talk to you finally. Like I said, we saved the best for last. So uh, thank you so much for your time and and joining me in this little, little crossover event. Really appreciate it. Uh, very interested to see how it works out for Seattle this year. And I'm sure we'll check in at some point again later in the season. Oh yeah. I would love to check in. You know, we're going to see each other on the ice a handful of times and it's always fun. I know over at locked on crack and our listeners love a good, as I like to say squad cast. So uh, we'll definitely have to, to join forces once again. And like I said, uh, if there's any other Pacific division team that I'm rooting for, it's the Kings. So uh, best of luck to you in the season. (laughs) All right. That is Erica Ayala. She is the host of locked on Kraken, and we appreciate her time today. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Hey, to keep up to date on this show and what's going on with the LA Kings, please follow us on Twitter. We are at Locked on LA Kings. If you want to send me an email to comment on anything that I've talked about on previous shows or this show, uh, the email address is LockedOnEddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E. Hey, thanks for making Locked on Kings your first listen every day. Now make Locked on NHL your second listen. Locked on Experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast of all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in hockey. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast thanks for listening and watching on youtube to locked on la kings i'm eddie garcia reminding you as always go kings go